Howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is the host of the Huda Thunkin' Podcast, Zeb, coming at you, episode 162. Yes, I'm still recording on my phone because the Anchor uh, website is not working the way I needed to. But that's okay. Before we get into the main topic, smart ass for episode 162, I'm going to do the recommendation segment where I recommend you check something out that I'm interested in or have actually watched myself. And this week, I uh, recommend Chimp Empire. That's C-H-I-M-P, like chimpanzee. Chimp Empire on Netflix. My Aunt Tony suggested it to me over this past Memorial Day weekend while I was teaching her how to play some Catan. It's a great board game I love. And exploring the fascinating world of the largest chimpanzee society ever discovered as they navigate complex societal or social politics, family dynamics, and dangerous territory disputes. That's what it's all about. The giant giant community of chimps in the middle of a forest shannon and i watched two episodes so far and we are baffled by the drama that plays out in the forest of nagogo think about it no stage pieces no script no acting just chimps now i did explain to shannon at one point a chimp they find a chimp who is dead uh won't won't ruin who or why or what or anything but they find a chimp that is dead and um Shannon said, this is amazing. There's no script. I said, yes and no. She said, well, what do you mean? They're chimps. I said, agreed. They're not actors. And there is no script. However, when you're editing something, you know, they might get you, they got us to uh, like that chimp or get to know that chimp a little bit better within the span of one episode so that when they die, it was more impactful. That's editing. So there is no script. However, when you edit, you can sort of sculpt the story a little bit more. But still, no setting, there's no people, there is narration, there is narration, the narrator's pretty good voice, and, and what they wrote is good, but yeah, amazing what you can do with that, and I kept thinking, how the heck did they film this stuff? Chimps are crazy strong and scary, so check it out, Chimp Empire, it's on Netflix now, my Aunt Tony suggested it, and I appreciate it, because it's good. Now, for the main event, smart asses. Uh, to begin, the job of jester, that's what we're talking about, jesters, court jesters, fools, buffoons, smart asses. It came out of a meme that I'll go over at the very end. A meme that I saw. I was like, I want to do an episode about jesters. I thought that would be cool. I'm kind of a smart ass myself. To begin, the job of jester has been around going back to humanity's earliest recommended or recorded history, as well as spanning just about every major culture on Earth beyond entertaining the masses from Egyptian pharaoh to first emperor of China, the wealthy have frequently employed the services of these individuals. Over the centuries, this line of work matured, and as we get into medieval times in the Western world, we start to see court jesters that somewhat fit the common stereotype depicted today. Although it should be noted, they weren't called jesters at this point, rather usually something like fool or buffoon. The jester name derived from the Anglo-Norman gestua, meaning storyteller wouldn't come about until the early 16th century. So that's just a little, hey, these are what jesters are. They're, they're part of our world. And let me ask you, were you a class clown in school? If you weren't, I'm sure you knew someone that was. You knew the who the class clown was, the guy or gal who seemed to bend or break any rule that got in their way of humor. I consider myself a laughter junkie, and it's it's gotten me into quite a few tight spots in my days, like the time I drew a large blow-up doll in, in art class, or the time I pantsed my buddy, in the middle of school, only to accidentally pull down his boxers as well, effectively flashing him to the entire hallway. I feel bad for that one. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I regret. Uh, yeah, regret does come with the gig sometimes when you try to be funny, and I regret doing that, and I felt bad, and I said I'm sorry, but still, I feel bad because 
be mortified. But what about those who made Class Clown an official career, didn't just do it in school? Today we have comedians, a profession which I am obsessed with. I watch slash listen to comedic podcasts all day long. I watch the stand-up specials of my favorites. They are my favorite live performances to attend. I just went to Shane Gillis the other week with, with Shannon. It was really fun. I have so much appreciation for the philosophical nonsense of modern comedy, but where did the job of modern comedy come from? These modern orators getting paid for laughs surely didn't just spring out of nowhere, did they? Nope, they didn't. Medieval jester could be seen as a morbid version of the modern comic, a distant relative to Dave Chappelle and George Carlin of our society, uh, can trace their career's lineage back to the goofy outfit-wearing clowns from centuries ago. I will admit the jester and the modern comedian are two very different jobs, and a good argument could be made that the two are hardly comparable. With their celebrity status and the more successful comedians pulling in a fortune every year, it is hard to compare them to the often physically deformed humor slaves of medieval kings. But that is where it came from. During the 11th and 12th centuries, the term minstrel, which meant little servant, commonly referred to musicians, singers, jugglers, musicians, and tumblers. That's sort of a jester what we're talking about, but they were usually seen as like the more musical side of things. In the tail end of the 12th century, these minstrels started to be called uh, jocolators or jocolatrix. This is when the term fullus or fool started to spring up, referring to the jesters that had earned their freedom. Now, they would be paid in the form of land instead of money, but fools rarely were given freedom and land on their lord's estates without some conditions. If the fool was freed, that usually meant their master liked them and would require the fool to return to perform whatever their brand of entertainment was for certain times of the year, usually during like big parties. A fool named Roland Le Petour was given 30 acres of land by King Henry II, probably when he retired, and on condition that Roland returned to the royal court every year on Christmas Day to, quote, leap, the leap whistle, and fart. So, <laughs> retirement, buddy, you get that little piece, of, that little hill over there, but I need you to come back every Christmas and fart for my guests, because it's hilarious when you do that. Thanks. <laughs> there were, there were, funny how I just immediately went to the role of king there. Anyway, there were two many, two main types of fools back in the day. There was the licensed fool and the natural fool. In both cases, those with physical deformities, such as extreme hunchback, malformed limbs, uh, particularly ugly visages, etc., were prized, as were dwarfs, perhaps the most famous of which being Lord Minimus. (laughs) It's a great name for a dwarf jester, Lord Minimus, who we cover in detail in an episode. um, Or, like, I like talking about Lord Minimus, he's cool, but I have not done an episode on him. That was from an episode I've been quoting. They did an episode on him, Lord Minimus, the Renaissance dueling dwarf. So pretty cool. Check that out. The licensed fool typically uh, typically wore patchwork garb you see on Harley Quinn, Joker's girlfriend, that kind of garb where she has like the black and the red in the comics. And they would sometimes wear donkey tails. And that hat they wear with like the four prongs was originally supposed to look like donkey ears. So they're supposed to look like asses. Smart asses. <laughs> These licensed fools had to be very knowledgeable in the art of entertaining and in the art of companionship as their royal masters spent a lot of time with their fools. They were rather quick-witted. And the natural fools, well, the concept of a natural fool as opposed to a licensed fool, it hasn't aged well. So the natural fool had some sort of mental disability or mental health issue. They were entertaining naturally just by being themselves. See what I mean by it didn't age well? Now, 
now, in some cases, they were mentally disabled. They were, you know, what mentally disabled, uh, but not always. Sometimes they were incredibly intelligent. Maybe they had some kind of tick. Maybe they had, you know, Asperger's or something like that. Um, they didn't really keep records of mental illness back in the medieval times, so we don't know. But based off of what was written, they were a natural fool because, you know, maybe they had they had ticks. Maybe they cursed. Maybe they did this or did that. It didn't necessarily mean that they were of less intellectual capacity, but some of them, yes, were. Some of the natural fools were, you know, mentally, I believe the, it's no longer the term anymore, mentally disabled, uh, but mentally retarded. That I mean, I mean it from a clinical standpoint. One attributed the nobleman uh, liked about, one attribute that the nobleman liked about the natural fool is that they had to be called a natural fool is that they spoke the unfiltered truth. So that's something that the natural fool is known for. An example uh, from todayifoundout.com, that's uh, the the same article I found that did a, an episode of Lord Minimus. There's a link in the blog if you want to check that out. Todayifoundout.com writes about a natural fool, a famous one. An example of a natural fool, we have William Somers, who replaced King Henry VIII's previous natural fool, Sexton, who was originally gifted to the king by Cardinal Thomas Wolsey. Moving on to Summers, while he was considered a natural fool, it is not really clear what his particular mental deficiency was, noted as having an incredibly quick wit, being a master of satire, and occasionally giving wise counsel to the king. He ultimately became one of King Henry's most trusted advisors. That said, he was otherwise apparently incapable of taking care of himself, to the point that King Henry VIII went so far as to ensure that one William Satan would be employed to take care of Somers after the king died. So, He's quick of wit, satire, gives counsel to the king, also can't take care of himself. See what I mean? Mental illness not really understood at all in medieval times, but he was considered a natural fool. As an example of one of his many antics, according to an early 17th century account by comedic actor Robert Armin, at one point the king's juggler, Thomas, was doing uh, his thing when Somers sauntered in with milk and a bread roll in hand. Mid-performance, Somers then began singing, this bit, Harry, I give to thee, and this next bit must serve for me, both which I'll eat apace, this bit, madame, unto you, and this bit I myself eat now, and the rest upon thy face. And then he promptly chucked the milk in Thomas's face, much of the amusement of all present, highly favored by the king. Somers appears in a 1545 portrait, Henry VIII and his family, with the king and one of his former wives, Jane Seymour, his daughters, Mary and Elizabeth, son Edward and Mary's own jester, Jane the Fool, who is thought to have also been a natural fool. Going back to the uh, natural fool's gift as speaking, the unbridled truth, it turns out this was also something highly valued in licensed fools as well. Though contrary to what is often said, while they were far more free to say whatever came to their minds, they still had to be tactful, especially with an audience. For example, as beloved as Somers was, he, uh, even as stated included in a family portrait on a few occasions, King Henry VIII got so mad at him that he threatened to kill him. For example, in 1535, when Somers apparently joked that one of King Henry's children was a bastard, perhaps a little too close to home on that one. So... These gestures, a little bit different, and the natural gestures, see what I mean? They had mental deficiencies, but not clear-cut. It's not like, yeah, they couldn't take care of themselves, but apparently gave good advice. I don't I don't know. The job of jester really started to grow during the Tudor era. That's the 1460s and the 16 to 1603. It's around right around that time. Um, 
in Europe, the jesters of the time doubled as servants or the equivalent of modern day assistants, like go get my coffee. Can you please, you know, cancel my schedules for today, such and such. They followed the head of an estate or court around entertaining sometimes, but usually delivering messages, even in dangerous situations. So these jesters and fools were expected to entertain and entertain well, but even if freed would be expected to answer their lord's every beck and call on any given day, the king or lord might ask the jester to go get a bunch of items on their shopping or grocery list, take care of the family pets or animals, deliver messages, and expected to be able to deliver a 30-minute stand-up routine whenever asked for. It's a lot. So a lot was asked of these guys. These court jesters were expected to be a jack of all trades when it comes to entertainment. And if a jester only knew juggling, they would get paid a meager sum compared to a jester who knew how to juggle, spit jokes, and do magic tricks. In the 17th century, Spain, uh, in 17th century Spain, little people, often with deformities, were employed as buffoons to entertain the king and his family, especially the children. So that's another notable time in Spain when Spain's jesters are coming around. And the more deformed you were, the better. <laughs> Dwarves, um, I believe they were little people with midgets. They were definitely uh, highly prized as jesters. And jesters were like today's personal assistants, except there were no labor laws. They were personal servants and could be murdered on a whim. A jester could be asked to deliver unsavory news to a nobleman's enemy, and if the jester was killed doing so, not that big a deal. It's a jester. It's okay. Even on the battlefield, a jester could be asked to deliver a message to the enemy. Don't kill the messenger was a common term used back then, and it wasn't a metaphor, at least not for these guys. Pissed off enemies would send jesters back to their camps via trebuchet, um, that's a catapult, or sometimes they would just send the jester's head back. The jesters would sometimes be tasked with boosting morale in their camps, but sometimes even on the battlefield. Could you imagine it? Like roasting people, but you're like right behind dudes stabbing. Jesters would sing or crack jokes while knights were thrusting spears right feet away from them. Like, wow. Like, wow, do these Frenchmen smell or is it just me? Bada Funny stuff to think about going through, going into a brutal hand-to-hand combat and hearing the weird-looking guy in a clown outfit making fun of the people you were murdering. But sometimes enemies would just target the jester because they would, like, piss him off and they would go after him. It's crazy. I Found Today writes about another famous jester here. In another case, we have the famed jester uh, Tribule. And this is the guy who is on the meme that inspired this episode, Tribule. He's he's really smart. Who served under King Louis VIII and... yeah. King Louis the Twelfth, King Louis the Twelfth, and Francis the First. French poet Jean Moreau described Tribule as a fool with an unsightly head, as wise as thirty as on the day he was born, with a small forehead and large eyes, a big nose and squat figure, a flat long belly and a hunchback. He mocked, sang, danced, and preached in derision of everyone. So famous he had a few characters in literature based on him, most notably in Victor Hugo's Le Roi Amuse. It is nonetheless reported his particular brand of satire didn't exactly make him popular among the court to the point that he was apparently frequently beaten by those he defended. Legend has it, whether truth or not, is impossible to tell. This led to an exchange between himself and King Francis, in which he told the king one of the members of the court had threatened to kill him. The king purportedly replied to this, If he does, I will hang him a quarter of an hour afterward. To which Tribule supposedly quipped, Ah, sire, couldn't you contrive to hang him a quarter an hour previously? In another another famed instance, he arranged the king via... uh, 
or angered the king via making fun of the queen, whereupon his execution was ordered. However, legend has it that given his years of good service, he was given leave to choose the manner of his death. After thinking it over, Chibile er, purportedly told the king, Good sire, for Saint Nitoche and Saint Pansard's sake, patrons of insanity, I choose to die from old age. This so amused the king that he just had Chibile banished instead of killing him off. And that is the meme that I, I saw a meme where it said that. And I was like, that is awesome. I want to write about this guy. And I want to figure out about these jesters. These clever smart asses of the medieval times were expected to be counsel, entertainer, errand boy, juggler, playwright, comedian, songwriter, singer, dancer, and roast master general. If the king was making a bogus plan, the jester was expected to talk him out of it, but in a delicate way, lest he be, lose his head. Some of them were paid a salary, but... Uh, some given that land retirement plan I talked about earlier, and others were paid were were not paid at all. But almost all were fed well, given good sleeping quarters, and had access to the most powerful people and their ears. Think about it. These jesters, they're smart, they're jacks of all trades, they're expected to do all these different things, entertain, message, all this, da 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 da. They're also given some of the most secret and important messages. It could be that these jesters had a huge role in shaping medieval Europe. As for female jesters, uh, they seem to have enjoyed all the same perks as their male counterparts, even relatively free to insult the men of power around them, with a level of impunity, though again, tactfully. As such, the job of fool is noted by historians as being one of the few career options held by men that was also completely open to women with no real associated stigma, nor much of an uh, of a difference in job responsibilities. Let's hear a bit about a famous jester from that I found out today. One of the f- more famous female jesters was a legendary woman known as Mathurin, uh, the Fool, who served in the courts of Henry III and IV, as well as Louis XIII and the 17th century, in the 17th century. Mathurin was well-known for her extravagant costume, modeled after the idea of an Amazonian warrior, complete with shield, armor, and a wooden sword. While the sword wasn't sharp, her wit by all accounts was, with perhaps the most famous example of this being uh, that that time she was reportedly criticized by a lady-in-waiting who complained that she didn't like having a fool at her right side. Without missing a beat, Matherine supposedly jumped to the lady's other side and announced to the court, I don't mind it at all. Burn. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of like I'm with stupid t-shirt <laughs> and then just going to the other side. Matherine also famously supposedly kept a would-be assassin of Henry IV from escaping as recounted in the 19th century edition of Frank Leslie's uh, popular monthly where it states Matherine it was who arrested the youth who attempted to assassinate Henry IV on the 28th of December. This youth who had glided into the apartment unperceived, struck at the king with his dagger. Devil take that fool with her tricks, cried his majesty. Matherine sprang to the door, and uh, barring the passage, prevented the escape of the king's assailant. So there you go, even female jesters. Now what happened to these jesters? Well, the Enlightenment period happened. Um, Instead of keeping these entertainers in their houses... Uh, noblemen decided to fund an industry by some way. Everyone thought, you know, hey, let's 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 make this thing bigger. Some of these people are really talented, and you had the the, the theater industry pop up. The jester is still around in a, and is an evolved form today, from us class clowns that never went pro, such as myself, to the Joe Rogans, Shane Gillis's, Tony Hinchcliffe's, 
hinge cliffs of the world today. Instead of being a solitary position held by few, it is an industry, the headquarters of which is in the U.S. of A. Think about it, Hollywood. We Americans host the largest populations of jesters today, and I couldn't be more proud. That's my episode about jesters and court buffoons and all that. Hope you weren't offended by any of my words, or but it's, it's history. It's accurate. It's what happened. Sadly, some of it, but other, you know, interesting stuff. The meme that I was talking about talked about Trebule, a notorious jester of King Louis the Seventh or Twelfth, it says here, and Francis, I Francis the First, once slapped the king on the butt, which greatly angered him, but then was given a chance to be forgiven if he could think of something more clever. He said, I'm so sorry, I must took you for the queen. When he was sentenced to death for making fun of people, he was allowed to choose how he would die, so he chose to die of old age. The speechless king let him go. So <laughs> the meme breaks it down on a little bit more summarized version, but yeah, love it. And that made me go, huh, I like this. I want to learn more about it. Hope you enjoyed. Tune in next week. Like I said, starting in the half, second half of June, won't be many episodes coming out as I'm going on vacation. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Tune in next week. Thank you.